Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Apart from Christ, prior to knowing Christ, you did not have a future and you did not have a hope. But now because you know Christ, now because you are a follower, now because you are a disciple, now he wants to give every born again believer a future and a hope. But you got to say, God, I desire to be used by you, number one, if you're truly going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our second point, our second and final point, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are going to have to be a person who does not trust in your own ability or your own potential. For it is not by might, nor by power, But by my spirit, says the Lord. You can't be one who trusts in yourself. Well, where'd you get that from, Rodney? Well, look in your Bibles in verse 8. When he called the disciples, he gave them, notice, power over unclean spirits. He gave them power. Did you see that? Over unclean spirits to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. You see, the disciples, they knew that they were powerless apart from Christ. They knew that it was Jesus who promised to provide the power to do what he called them to do. Remember in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus breathed on them, receive ye the spirit. And notice he didn't say, now go change the world right now. He said, now I want you to go into Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and when you have received, you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. You see, you have to wait because he's the one who gives the power. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own potential. It's not in what you can do. It's what he wants to do through you. Did you notice the list of names here in your Bible? Did you notice these guys are not the who's who? They're more like the who's them. Did you notice that? If you were going to start an impacting worldwide ministry, you wouldn't choose these guys. Oh, no. These guys are not the who's who. They're more like the who's them. But it's interesting to me that Jesus chose them because, and he intentionally chose them because he wanted to be the one to provide the power that they were going to need in the ministry and not rely upon themselves. So let me introduce you to the team. Here's the lineup. First of all, notice in your Bible, we have Simon, who is called Peter. Now, I don't know about you, but, but everyone, pretty much everyone likes Peter. Because everyone can identify with Peter. 
Someone once said that Peter had the foot and mouth disease. And that's why we can all identify with him. He has a foot-shaped mouth, someone said. Peter was the one who was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Peter's the kind of guy who would say, ready, fire, aim. (laughs) Isn't that true? And Peter, I mean, he's a great guy. You study the scriptures, you can see Peter's a great guy. He's got some great strengths. He's fun. He's bold. He's excited about God. He's outgoing. He's courageous. He's gregarious. Courageous guy. But it's very interesting, as you look at the life of Peter, his greatest strength was also his greatest weakness. Because at times, he lacked courage. Remember, he denied that he ever knew Jesus. And the amazing thing is that Jesus knew that, and he still chose him to be one of his disciples, Simon. Whose name means, write this down, shifting one. (laughs) Shifting one? Yeah, that's kind of how he was. That was characteristic of his life pre-Holy Spirit. But then Jesus, you know, he changed his name to Peter, which means rock or stable one. Interesting. You see, the Lord renamed Peter because the Lord was going to reform Peter. And we can see that in Acts chapter 3. Peter gave one of the greatest altar calls in history. He preached the gospel. 3,000 people came and got saved. uh, uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Read them in your own time. You can see a man who, Peter's a very interesting character study. You can see a man who was fun and loving and bold and gregarious and outgoing and yet he lacked faith and lacked courage and his life was just shifting sand. And man, after the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him, you see a totally different man. You know, that's what happens in the life of every person. When you become a Christian, God makes your life better. He just does. And we can see that in the life of Peter. The power of the Lord had come upon him. And you see this incredible burst of potential that comes from his life. And then we have Andrew in our text. Andrew, Peter's brother. Andrew's very different than Peter. He's quite shy. He's quiet. He just kind of hangs out in the background in the shadow of Peter. And this tells us that the Lord uses all different types of personalities. I mean, the Lord doesn't just choose the outgoing, over-the-top, triple-A type personalities. He chooses Quiet people also, which makes sense. I mean, somebody got to shut up. You know, no comments from the peanut gallery, all right? But somebody's got to be quiet. So Andrew, he's just kind of the quiet guy. And then we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were called, you know it, the sons of thunder. Why? Because they had really bad tempers. It's interesting, you know the story. Jesus was doing the ministry and, and, and the people weren't responding, responding the way that, that James and John thought they should respond. And they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the people aren't listening. Shall we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? And Jesus said, whoa, man, lighten up. <laughs> I came to save people, not scorch them. You see, these guys had really bad temper. John was tough. He was a tough guy, but we know he softened up. How? 
because he wrote five books of the New Testament. And he's the disciple that Jesus loved. And then there's Philip. Philip was a skeptic. Unsure about a lot of things. John chapter 6. Philip is the guy that Jesus turned to and said, where are we going to get food to feed the 5,000? And Philip said, nowhere. There ain't, ain't a store open. And then Philip said, look, Lord, let them go home and eat. I mean, why we got to feed them anyway? You don't need to eat in my house. Go home and get something to eat. Come back. And in that story, it was Andrew. Beautiful story. There's a boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. Fed the 5,000, probably 15,000 men, women, and children. Philip was a skeptic. And then we have in our text Bartholomew. Bartholomew was also named Nathaniel. If you read the Gospels, you'll see it was Nathaniel that Peter went to and said, Hey, you won't believe what happened to us today. Really? What? We met God. We met the Messiah. And it was Bartholomew who said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You see, Jesus said, and right after that he said, I saw you sitting under a tree. It's a great story. We don't have time to go over it. And then we have in our text, notice, here's the team that's going to go out and impact the world. Not by their own ability, but by God's ability. Then we have Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. When people say his name, they scrunch their face. Doubting Thomas. Boo, Doubting Thomas. You know what? I don't boo Thomas. I think Thomas was great. I, matter of fact, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas helped more people than Thomas will ever know. Oh, you remember the story? Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples and he's telling them that he's going to leave and where he's going, that he's going away and, and the way they know, and, 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 but they can't come now. He's talking to them about his departure. And all the disciples are sitting there and they're listening and they're like, yeah, 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 we understand. When, when they really didn't. Oh, you know how it is when you were in school. You remember those days when a teacher would be talking about something and you completely did not know what they were talking about. But you would sit there and go, oh, yes, I completely understand. You understand, class? Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. Everybody. You understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the disciples were the same way. And Jesus is talking about going in the way you know and where I'm going, you know, and you can't come now, but someday you will be here to come. And all the disciples are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You understand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we get it. You understand? Yeah, I get it. You understand? Yeah, I get it. They're all understanding. When Thomas says, Lord, hello. No, I don't understand. I don't get it. And Lord, they don't get it either. They're just acting like they do. They don't get it. And it was at that moment that Jesus quoted that very famous scripture, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. You see, Thomas gets a bad rap and called Doubting Thomas. But thank God Thomas spoke up and said, I don't get it, Lord. Because Jesus said, okay, then here it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And none of you, and no one through all time in the corridors of history can get to the Father except through me. Thank God for doubting Thomas. I love him. Thomas was a skeptic. Philip was a skeptic. Do you know, if you're here this morning and you're a skeptic, no problem with that. Skepticism is good, as a matter of fact. 
But there's a difference between skepticism and unbelief. The difference? Skepticism can't believe. Unbelief won't believe. Skepticism is honesty. Unbelief is outright stubbornness. Skepticism is looking for the light. Unbelief is content in the darkness. Thomas was a skeptic. Philip was a skeptic. But Jesus, notice, he says, come on, I can work with you both. You see, that's the Lord. And then notice in your text, Matthew. Did you note this? Matthew is the only guy in this list that gives us a job description. Matthew, did you see it? In verse 3, the tax collector. You see, remember we talked about it a few weeks ago? A tax collector was a rip-off artist. I won't bore you with the details, but as you know, people hated tax collectors. But Jesus would say, even the rip-off artist, I'll take you in ministry also. And then in your Bibles, notice these last couple of guys. James, the son of Thaddeus, and Alpheus. I can't help it. Every time I say Alpheus' name, I always think of that song. What's it all about? Alfie. Sorry. I love that song. It's from the 60s. I love that song. Is it more than just a moment? Thaddeus and Alpheus, who are they? We don't know. No one knows. It is interesting, though, that two of the guys who make up the 12, we know nothing about. And then notice, God even, Jesus even called Simon the Zealot. Do you see that in your Bibles? A zealot was someone who was a nonconformist. He didn't conform to political government. He, he, he didn't uh, conform to political people and authority. Just a nonconformist to government. Isn't it interesting? Check this out. Matthew, who worked for the government, is in ministry, along with Simon the Zealot, who hates the government. And these guys are opposite. If it were not for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, these guys would have killed each other. They wouldn't have been, they'd have been has-been disciples. They used to be disciples. It's like putting a Republican and a Democrat in the same room or something. It's like, hi! They hated each other, but yet because of the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you find that they are in ministry together. You see, these guys, I point all that out to say this. These guys, they're not the who's who. They're the who's them. They're they're, they're nothing. They, they, They are just common, everyday people. Look, we are not the who's who. Look around this room. Who in this room is noble? Who in this room is influential? None of us. Everyone sitting next to you, everyone in this room, we're nothing. You're nothing. There you go. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're nothing. Yeah, go ahead. I'll wait. We're all nothing. But see, this is a good thing that we're nothing because the Bible says, see, the Bible says that God takes nothing and makes it much. God is the one who uses and takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty. And there was a guy I was traveling last week from Franklin, Pennsylvania. I think I told y'all. And uh, I'm on the plane and you know, I, I just got to talk to folks. I mean, I, I can't be on the plane, not talk to people who sit next to me. 
I just can't, you know. And sometimes I like pull out my Bible. I do. I lay like, look, I'm going to tell you all some stuff. Don't tell anybody. All right. But, you know, I take out my Bible trying to like strike up conversation. You know, I take out my Bible and maybe they'll look over and have some words or something. I'll take it out. and Jesus said, we're all going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. So I try to, you know, strike up conversation. I try to talk to people because I like to talk to people about the Bible. I can't be on a plane all that time and not talk about the Bible. And if they don't want to talk, I'll just go up the aisles. I'll figure out. I'll find someone, you know, ma'am, would you like some air? And I'll go turn the thing on for him and say, you know, Jesus is the breath of life. Did you know that? Just anything. I don't care. Anything. Would you like some bread? I got a piece right here in my back pocket. Would you like some bread? Well, Jesus is the bread of life. I mean, I'll figure out something. No one, give me a second, okay? Just give me a minute. I'm working here. And so this guy is sitting next to me, and I'm like, so, um, <clears throat> where are you from? And he's sitting over in the other aisle. And I said, uh, where are you from? And, and he says, oh, well, I, I live in, in the uh, you know, Raleigh area. And I said, oh, in Raleigh, Apex, Holly Springs area. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, oh, me too. And uh, we got to talking about some things, and, and, and we finally got around to it. Well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church there in, in Apex. Oh, really? Where's your church? And I said, well, you know, you take Center Street and come on up Center, 1010. Yeah, I think I know where that is. And, you know, if you're coming up Center Street and you cross the one. Oh, yeah, the one. You cross over the one. Yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. And there's a gas station on left. Yeah, I know where that is. And then he goes, oh, is there like a YMCA right right there? When you're up on the left, there's a YMCA. I went, yeah, right there. I said, it's the next building over. And and right there, he goes, that's a church? And I said, yeah, what's it to you, man? Don't be all up and, what's it to you, man? You know, it's just like, you know, he's like, oh, that's a church? And I'm like, why, why? Because look, because it doesn't look like a church. Because it's not noble. There's no one noble. There's not anything influential going on here. There's no stained glass windows and big steeples and all of these kinds of things. These don't, this doesn't look like the thing that God is using. This doesn't look like the thing that God even can use. Yes, it's a church. And yes, God takes even foolish things like us, very common people, to make an impact in the world. Very common people to affect the triangle for the glory of God. God. We give away school bags. Why? To give a kid a chance. Because we're trying to reach out to people because the foolish things and the weak things are confound the mighty. We have the harvest crusade deal. Why? So that people can come and hear about Jesus. And they can ride the rides and eat pie. <laughs> and love Jesus. And listen to worship and people loving each other. And there's a thousand. Now there's more than a thousand people came last year. And look at that. Who would have ever thunk it? That a church like this, this building is a church that God would really, really use it to impact the community. All the more people don't know what's going on here at Calvary Chapel. They, they drive in the parking lot and they're freaked out. They're, they're looking at people like it's like, you know, I see people going there. They got on jeans and T-shirts on Sunday morning. 
And they go in the church and people look all happy. It must be a cult. I mean, you can't go to church and enjoy it. And they walk in the door and they're having lattes at church. And you mean they walk in and people are happy to be here and they got this bald-headed pastor up there. What in the world? He's crazy. They laugh all the time and I'm confused because I can't, I've never seen the choir. That's the choir, you know. Where's the choir? There's no choir. Where's the choir? And the robes is like, what is it? Is a freaky? Is this a cult? And there's all kinds of people, and yet all these kinds of people wearing everything from jeans and sneakers to suits and ties are out there affecting the community. I know, and you're telling people and making an impact and a difference. These are the kind of people that God uses, and it's like these disciples. Those are the kind of people that God used to affect the world, and they did it without programs and PowerPoint, and they did it without buses and budgets. Why? Because they did it by the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon them and equipped them to go out and be real disciples. Not in the flesh, but empowered by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And without the Spirit, Johnny, we lost. We can't do a thing. Chris, without the Spirit, we can't do a thing. So we need him. And when we say, Lord, here's my life. Just use it. It ain't much. None of us, we're nothing. But with God, we're everything. In Christ, we can do all things. And that's the God we serve. See, he takes little. That's all he wants is little. Just little. Teeny, beeny. Tiny, tiny, whiny. Little. Mustard seed. Make something big. And do a great work. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. Why? Because of the master's touch. And can I read you something? It's called the touch of the master's hand. T'was battered and scarred. And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while. To auction off the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I to bid for the old violin? Who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar, one, who'll make it two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Going for three, but no. From a room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up its strings, he played a a medley, pure and sweet, as sweet as angel sings. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I to bid for the old violin as he held it up with with the bow? One thousand one, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going, going, gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we don't quite understand, what change is worth? Quick came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. Many a man with a life out of tune, battered and torn by sin, is auctioned off to the thoughtless crowds, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a drug, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going, he's going, he's almost gone. Then the master comes and the thoughtless crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the miracle that's wrought by the touch 
of the master's hand. You see, when God touches your life, he takes ashes and makes something beautiful. He takes that which is worthless and makes something valuable. Because the reality is, we're all just a speck of dust on a speck of dust on a speck of dust. God is in heaven. God is infinite and we're finite and nothing. Just a speck. But God takes just a speck, your life, and he touches your life and he'll make something beautiful out of your life. And that's what he did for me. And I'm happy about that. And I'm glad to be used of God. And I'm glad to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can too have a desire to be used and then say, God, it's not my ability. It's not my potential. But it's you who gave the power. It is you who works in me. And then I'm a true disciple. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.